This is Hamptons Uncovered, the podcast that looks at mysteries that occur in, well, the Hamptons. We'll go deeper than the glitz and glam of the East End Mansion dotted shorelines. We'll go into the real Hamptons, uncover the stories that people don't talk about openly. Because there's a lot people don't know about, or want you to know about. I'm Ty Wenzel. Hamptons Uncovered is produced and edited by me. Reporting is by Peggy Spellman, Hoy, and me. Original music is by John Lurie and the Lounge Lizards. Welcome to Hamptons Uncovered. I'm your host, Ty Wenzel. Hamptons Uncovered is a true crime investigative podcast. All opinions are from the individuals that we interview. Our goal is simply to learn the truth. The mention of individuals in our episodes is not meant to implicate their involvement in the case that we're investigating. It's part of our process as we report in real time. We will sometimes use fictitious names to protect the privacy of individuals who've not signed a release or who request confidentiality of their identities. If names are used, it's that they've given us express permission to do so. Episode 2, What We Know Andrea Gabriella Armijos left the home she shared with family on Three Mile Harbor Road around 7 a.m. on the morning of September 27, 2014. She was never seen alive by them again. As the hours went by and it soon became dark outside, her family became really worried and went out to search a patch of woods she used as a shortcut to her job. The distance was less than a mile and could have been walked probably in about 10 minutes. The lifeless body of Gabriella, as her family called her, was found the next day, hanging in those same woods. It was hours away from her 22nd birthday. She'd only been in Springs, the area of East Hampton she lived in, one month, her American dream completely unrealized. Her journey from her native Ecuador to the United States was not absent of strife either. For the three months preceding her arrival in Springs, she was detained in Texas, having been picked up by authorities along her journey. Gabriella's death was quickly ruled a suicide. Her family disputes this finding. News outlets delving into her family's search for answers reported she was escaping an abusive family situation in Ecuador. They also reported that her detention in Texas was really hard on her. And she had allegedly been harassed by an ex-boyfriend there and here. Days before her death, Gabriella had come home late from work covered in dirt, worrying family enough to call the police. They eventually left the incident off. In the aftermath of Gabriella's death, her family claimed the lead agency in charge of investigating her death, East Hampton Town Police, did not conduct a proper investigation. That claim was disputed by the police chief as well as elected officials. A second claim in Southampton Town was raised one year later when a second Ecuadorian woman, Lilia Esperanza Aquapina, was found hanging in the woods near her home in Sacaponic one month after she went missing. Like Gabriella, Esperanza also had trouble with a man in her life, her husband, according to published reports. 
Gabriela's family joined with that of Esperanza's, as well as advocacy groups like OLA out here on the East End and Latino Justice, who protested outside Southampton Town Hall, calling for both cases to be reopened. Claims of improper investigations were, again, dismissed by authorities. This is a little of what we know so far, having gleaned as much information as we could from news stories and broadcasts at the time. We've also been able to fill in some blanks by conducting preliminary conversations with Gabriella's family and friends. We still have a lot more questions we believe need to be answered in both of these women's cases before we can be satisfied. Either way, the rumors that persist have to be put to bed. And maybe that might quell the general unease about how law enforcement handles such death investigations in the Latino community. Or not. Time will only tell. Were these cases properly handled? Or were these two women just a pair of lost souls who wandered off on a dark path? What has not been reported so far? Did anyone or anything fall through the cracks? Who or what do we need to know more about? Due to the timeline, we decided to start with Gabriella's case first. How did Gabriella come to the United States? We know that Gabriella decided to make the journey to Springs to be with her sister, Alexandra Ramon, who had been living there with her family. What kind of person was Gabriella? All we know is from news stories of her death and its aftermath. In photos, she's a very pretty young girl, 21, with dark eyes and dark curly tresses with blonde highlights. She's petite. Even in photos, you can see how tiny she was. One in particular, as she stands in a striped shirt and jeans with her hands planted proudly on her hips. It looks like it could be inside the hair salon. She was a hairdresser, a stylist who had worked at the Jasmine Hair Salon on Springs Fireplace in Springs. In the photo, she's happy and smiling back at the photographer. She can't possibly know what will happen. In another photo, she's serious, looking off to the side. Maybe it's a selfie from Facebook. We don't know this. On a whim, one night, after a late brainstorming session, where we discussed aspects of the case and what questions we needed to ask, documents we need to obtain as we move forward, I decided to use photographs to further our investigation, though not of Gabriella. It was a pair of published photographs of her sister, Alexandra, with her name on Facebook. In no time, a woman identifying herself as Alexandra ended up accepting my friend request. I held my breath. And before I even knew what was happening, I was conversing with her, or trying to anyway. I had a problem though. I jumped before thinking. I don't speak Spanish, and it was too late to arrange an interpreter. Despite our language barriers, I was determined to get our mission across. No matter what, I could not lose her interest. She's a key person who will help us figure out what what did happen anyway. I scrambled and began using Google Translate in a conversation with her over Facebook Messenger. I told her what we were doing and how we wanted to conduct an in-depth news podcast investigating her sister's death. What followed was surprising. She immediately agreed to an interview and with an interpreter, we we spoke with her for over an hour. I guess we're doing this. I'm in.
Hello? Ale can you hear me? Hello. Hello, Alexandra. Hola, ¿cómo están? Hola, muy bien, gracias. ¿Y tú? Uh, muy bien. Muy bien, Alexandra. Um, Le Leanne, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I just want to, uh, Peggy's going to ask some questions. If you can just ask her and then just, you know, just translate. Hola, Alexandra. Uh, me llamo uh, Peggy. La español un poco. Muy mal. Sorry. Um, I, I have some questions here uh, that I just, you know, um, want to go over the, with you and just get back up here. Sorry, I have to scroll down on the computer. Um, our interview with Alexandra on May 25th was very emotional. We tried through our translator, Leanne, to get some basic understanding of who Gabriella was, her childhood, her personality. It seemed that Alexandra was still very much haunted by the untimely death of her little sister. Can, can you tell me about, can you tell me about your sister? Que si le puedes contar sobre tu hermana. What was she like as a, a what was she like growing up as a little girl? She's back in Ecuador now and, and it's a little bit hard to, to talk about it over the phone. Alexandra repeats some of what we already know, but also adds a few things that we didn't know. So on September twenty seventh, twenty fourteen, according to Alexandra Gabriella left home very early in the morning. She hadn't returned, and by 9 p.m., Alexandra reported her missing. Gabriella, as she was known by her and the family, arrived in East Hampton again just a month earlier. And Alexandra says it was an ex-boyfriend in Ecuador that she was escaping. Again, she quickly found work at a local hair salon and made a habit of walking through the woods from her home to her workplace, the very same woods where her body was found, Alexandra says. We learned the area is allegedly a place where people congregate to do drugs, drink, and sometimes where the homeless sleep. News reports at the time described the location as being strewn with debris, garbage, including beer bottles, an old mattress, plastic patio chairs. So Alexandra tells us that Gabriella was found hanging from a very low branch by her own sweater. She was on her knees, practically on the ground. She even said that it was as if she just sat down and gave up. Alexandra doesn't believe that she committed suicide and to this day she grapples with small details surrounding her sister's body being found in the woods. She remembers that her sister wasn't depressed she doesn't believe it's a suicide because she would have left a note, something, saying goodbye. And in their search for her, what really bothers her is that they found a second set of tracks, footprints, besides hers. Alexandra also said that Gabriella's face had bruises on it and that her left hand was very swollen and possibly broken. Does she think that her sister was um, was murdered or um, somehow yes. executed or punished in some way for whatever reason. Entonces, ¿quieres saber que si que tú crees que tu hermana que sí que fue asesinada o que fue castigada o que, que o sea que no lo hizo ella? 
she moved back to Ecuador and why and is she still with her husband? She fell into a, a very hard depression and felt like there was no one here that you know she could rely on and, and so she went back home because of the depression. Not even her husband, she couldn't rely on him? Um, she said, yeah, she relied on her husband and, 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 you know, he gave as much support as he could and she was going to psychologists and, and stuff and she was fine when she was with the psychologist, but then she would go home and it was just, you know, it, it was like a dark space and she just couldn't take it anymore. So she just picked up and left. Okay. Are they I still understand. together? He remarried, but they do remain in contact because of the children. We asked Alexandra if she had any documents from the police, an autopsy or a case file. She said she left most of it in East Hampton with her now ex-husband, Manuel Puka. He's remarried now, she says. So much about the case file question was in Spanish, so I'm going to edit a little bit just so you can hear mostly the English version. Can you ask her if the uh, police ever gave her the case file or if did they ever do an autopsy of any kind? Eh, que quieres saber si la policía eh, hizo una autopsia o si te dieron algunos papeles sobre la, el caso, documentos eh, sobre el caso. Um, she said that actually on, on Saturday they had gone looking for her, which is the day that she had gone missing, and they were walking, it was her, her husband and the kids, they were walking through a wooded area and they saw her footprints because they recognized them because it was some shoes that they had given to her as a gift so they recognized the, the pattern and they saw a second set of footprints as well and they were walking you know through there and she they were near the area where her sister was found when she had the urge to use the restroom and she was going to go in the woods and use it but there was a bunch of people walking around that she heard so she decided to go you know leave and, and, and go somewhere else and then they came back on Sunday and searched again. And uh, and she wonders if maybe if she had just gone two steps more on that Saturday, if she would have been able to still find her sister, you know, breathing, not not dead. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. Because the case file question wasn't directly answered, we asked again. What exactly did the police department give to them? 
Okay. That would be very helpful. Okay. Did she was the report rep- supplied to her in Spanish? Te dieron el, el reporte del caso en español? Speaking police officer there? The detective spoke Spanish. Okay. Does she remember what the detective's name was? No. Okay. 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 There's an alleged boyfriend that Gabriella met on Facebook, apparently, or allegedly, that we need to find. We don't know his name. Alexandra doesn't know his name either. So this is still kind of a blank slate, but I just wanted to let you know what Alexandra said about the gentleman that Gabriella came to America uh, to meet and date. So can can she tell me a little bit about her boyfriend? He he was harassing her. Did she, you know, tell the police that when he was harassing her, did she report that to them? Be you know before she died. And who is this que, man? Que si le contaste a la policía lo sobre el novio, que si el novio la abusaba, la pegaba o la la amenazaba. It was a guy that she had met on the internet, and she doesn't know much about him, she said, but she really, you know, would, would be surprised if, if he had harassed her, you know, she's not aware of that, but she did say that on that Sunday, he came over to the house and said, saw, you know, and said, I'm so sorry, uh, even though the news was not public yet. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. He said sorry. He said sorry that she died. 
he's he's yeah like sorry to hear or something she doesn't really recall exactly what what the exact okay. words were that he said oh, okay i understand but she just re- she just remembers that it wasn't it wasn't news that had spread yet and there was mm-hmm. really no you know no way that she thinks that, that he would have known what, what was the boyfriend's name and about how old was he uh, what was the name of the novio and more or less what she can't remember. No. And, and you can't remember his name? No, no, no. She said he was probably, he was probably about 23, 24, but she can't remember his name. Even his first, first name? No, te acuerdas de, de, de la apodo, de un nombre, o su primer nombre, nada. Bueno, chico, para mí, para mí era un chico desconocido, yo no, yo, yo vivía allá, pero yo jamás le había visto, no, yo no le conocía. Yeah, she, she didn't know him, so she, she doesn't remember his Did, name. Did, um, so, um, did her family know him? Did her uh, husband know him? Is that? Eh, alguien en tu familia conocía su nombre, crees tu marido o otra persona que a lo mejor. No, no, era, 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 una, era un chico desconocido para mí. Yo no, yeah, he, yo he no, 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 she thinks that he lived in Houston. She doesn't really know much about him, and that's okay. why it surprised her so much that he showed up at the house. Yeah, I understand. I think that he's somebody we need to talk to. And, um, again, we don't know if he's involved or not involved, or even if he was harassing her as some reports have said on in news outlets but i do think that it's important to uh find out who this gentleman is she says thank you so much because she was a human being and, and it's good to you know make sure that everyone is remembered and, and you know she left she left a family and a city and yeah I know well see gracias Alexandra gracias for the most is for someone to tell me what Gabriella was like, more than just for creating a victimology report, but to try to get to know who this tragedy happened to. Bits and pieces we get from family quotes, they definitely help, like the brother-in-law saying Gabriella missed home when she first arrived, but when she began working at the salon, she finally started getting comfortable. One article said that the owner of the salon and her husband were with the brother-in-law, Manuel, when they found Gabriela's body. According to her niece, who now runs the salon, whom I talked to last week, she said her aunt was just devastated by the death. She had sunk into a deep, deep depression and had only just started feeling better. 
I was told she's now pregnant and probably won't talk to us. Gabriella, a girl who'd been here just over a month, touched a lot of people. As soon as the podcast started getting into various outlets like Apple and Google, the Facebook page started blowing up, especially after Alexandra shared it on her wall. Gabriella's other sister friended me and wanted to talk. I can't imagine how hard this has been for them. Alexandra's ex-husband, who still lives in East Hampton, accepted my friend request. He was the family spokesperson to the press and media. I asked him if he'd be open to speaking with me through our new Facebook connection. I started talking to Manuel pretty regularly that week after we spoke with Alexandra. We made a plan to meet on Saturday. He said he had the autopsy, photos, everything 